This past weekend really has been a weekend unlike any other in the United States. And not only is the world watching, but also participating in the protests. Yesterday, protesters filled the streets of Montreal and Vancouver, where some 3,000 gathered. And here in Toronto, thousands took part in a downtown rally on Saturday. And the message everywhere is essentially the same. Enough is enough. And joining us now with more on this is Vicky Mochama. She's a podcaster and critical race editor for The Conversation Canada, and she joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Vicky, good afternoon. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, watching this unfold, I went through a range of emotions this weekend. I was saddened at times, heartbroken, angry. Can you put into words your feelings from this weekend? For me, I was not surprised. I think this is, I guess, a more emotive time for people who maybe thought that this scale of racism was over with or that the depth of it was was not what they thought it was. Like they you know, thought this is something that's from the 60s or from a much, much earlier time, but that racism has never quite left us, is I think surprising to many people. But as a writer and journalist who spends time in black communities and writing about black communities, nothing about the last week has been surprising to me or, or shocking really. What is more devastating is how little has changed and how much it's gotten worse. Yeah, it seems, and this is a, a common uh, comment I've heard time and time again, it's history just keeps repeating uh, itself. Uh, what is the message that we should all take from this uh, weekend, do you think, Vicki? What we're seeing, I think, from this weekend and from the past few years, since at least 2012, when Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman for simply walking out and wearing the hoodie at the time, which Mr. Zimmerman was not comfortable with, is that racism has not only entrenched itself further, but it has become part of our institutions even more deeply than it was before. I mean, we're seeing images that for a lot of people are reminiscent of prior protests from 1968, from from uh, protests and, and riots in Detroit, from, you know, the Lester Donaldson Young Street riots in Toronto in the 90s, to the protests that followed uh, Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown's killings and the lack of indictments of the people who, ki- who killed them. All of these are very, very similar. And we're looking at really a continued legacy that nothing has, has changed. And what I want people to understand is how invested they themselves are in the idea that nothing has changed. One of the things that is for me really, really striking is how we are in the middle of a pandemic where we've seen repeatedly videos of people calling the cops on essential workers or other individuals who are simply just trying to go about their day. That, too, is an investment in the idea that the police are a tool to be used to threaten and endanger and kill people who have less power than you do. And all of us are part of that. As I mentioned off the top, we saw protests and demonstrations in various cities, not only throughout the U.S., but across Canada this week. Uh, This certainly is an issue that resonates with Canadians, and I think it's important as well to underscore that this is not something that we are immune to on this side of the border. No, what I think we saw this weekend in Toronto was specifically a protest around the death of Regis Korczynski-Paquette, who was a 29-year-old black woman 
His family had called the police because she was in distress, and they were hoping that the police would assist the family in taking her to get mental health support services. And instead, the police were present, uh, and it's not clear to what exactly unfolded, but the police were present when she passed away. And that's not uncommon. You know, a few weeks prior, DeAndre Campbell himself called for help from the police and ended up being shot and killed by the police. And that's consistent across this nation that when Black people require the help of our public servants, which is what police are, that they are not met with help, but they are met with hostility, and at its worst, they're met with death. Do you feel as if uh, what's transpired this uh, past uh, week, uh, not only again in the U.S., but uh, here in Canada, do you feel like things are really finally going to change? Are we at a, finally a turning point here, do you think? You know, I'm not sure. I don't know that I can answer that. I've been asking this question for the last few years of my career, which is, that, you know, black people are very aware of the conditions that we live in. We're very aware of the dangers. But what are other people, and specifically and especially white people in this country, who account for the vast majority of this country's population, what are they willing to sacrifice to ensure that black people are safe, to ensure that indigenous people and black people have access to adequate housing, adequate education, uh, you know, clean water? That would require things that I don't know that I'm hearing that conversation come from white communities about whether they're willing to take tax increases, whether they're willing to begin to defund the police, whether they're beginning to really hold their politicians to account when it comes to racism. Those are the questions that I want to you know, hear answered from white people and white communities about what it is they're willing to do to live up to their own stated beliefs about Canada's ideas of equality and multiculturalism and diversity. And when I really, when we start to hear that, then I think things will have changed. Some of the things you just mentioned there, Vicki, is that how we move forward together as one? Because I think that's the other big question, and it's such a tough question to answer and kind of wrap our arms around, if you will, is uh, how do you make those changes? How do we change the culture? How can we ensure equality once and for all? You know, that's a question everybody has to answer for themselves. But as for we, we have political institutions that seem to get away with a level of harm and danger towards Black communities and also Indigenous communities. And those are institutions that represent us. They are child welfare agencies. They are, you know, hospitals and doctor's offices. These are places that we pay for. And that includes definitely the police, which I think are, are a primary to discuss right now in this moment. We're looking at the death of George Floyd, of DeAndre Campbell, of Regis Korczynski Paquette. Why is it that these institutions that we as Canadians pay for and support, in the case of, of the medical practice, take pride in, why they cause such harm and why we allow that to happen? And again, you know, the vast majority of this country are people who benefit largely from this system, which are the white people in this country. And when they begin to say that this system that works for them doesn't work for other people and has to be reformed or, in the case of police, possibly removed and wholly, wholly amended, then then I think we, we can really begin to say that we are embracing each other and move, moving together as one. But right now, we really, like we are in this pandemic, we are experiencing two pandemics. And for, the, for over 400 years, we have been experiencing two North Americas, which is the one that benefits others while simultaneously harming uh, Black and Indigenous communities. And so, you know, once that reality sets in for people that these institutions don't work and that they don't work on your dime, on your time and with your support, then we really are having a conversation that benefits all of us. 
Well, appreciate this conversation. Vicky Mochama, podcaster and critical race editor for The Conversation Canada. Vicky, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks.